1: What's up to our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation? You're listening to Spoiler Alert. Ha! Spoiler. I'm your host, Johnny Destructo. With me this week is Noel.
2: Just Noel. Just
1: Noel. Uh, Listen, I'm going to tell you, folks, folk, <laughs> singular folk out there, uh, we have had some drinks. Uh, we mean, went and got sushi. We did. We got sushi pizza. And we
2: got um two words that I didn't think would be well together yeah. sushi would pizza. Go well together or I mean the two words they almost feel like they're the opposite of each other. I hate other. Them. I hate the,
1: I hate the word sushi pizza together. I thought it was going to be disgusting at a place called New Leaf 2 in Maniunk. It was delicious. And then we had sake bombs, bombs which was like a half a cup of beer and then you take the two sticks the chopsticks and you balance the shot glass of sake on top and then you bump the Which table
2: is structurally unsound it did not yeah. work out very well for me mine went in sideways mine went in hard <laughs> and caused an effect a sploosh uh, just um, a
1: and then you chug it real fast it's delicious and now we've got metal goblets because that's all we have here metal goblets <laughs> filled
2: with not filled uh but l- um what is this my uh, favorite drink what is it it's tennessee honey jack daniels tennessee honey mm. It's the only
1: alcohol that I can pour right this, out of the bottle. As far and as just I'm sip. concerned,
2: this is medicinal. It's for our throats. Yes,
1: for there's, there's the show. To provide you, the listener, with the best show mm-hmm. possible. We've already failed at that, but let's
2: keep moving on. Um, it's only been like two minutes of failure. Let's. Just, <laughs> we can. We can we'll make it up. Yeah. <laughs> this is the part where you lose the audience. Yeah. and you gain them
1: back. Uh, so um, <clears throat> we uh, are here to talk about this week's comic books. Comics. Can, can you feel me? I'm trying to center. We're here to talk about this week's comics. Mm -hmm. First, we're going to read an email. But even before that, first, first, I received a message on Instagram. I'm going to read it to you now. This was not approved for on-air reading, so I'm not going to say who sent it to me. But someone sent me, Dude, it's super weird how you replaced Mark without acknowledging him leaving. I've been listening since Matt Adler was the number four. Just, period, feels, period, weird, period. Now, I did not take that as coming at me sideways of like accusatory and accusatory tone. Mm -hmm. I just, because I have a tendency to do that. I've in the past had a tendency to read. We are people that internalize. Where I go, oh my God, this person is like accusing me of something. And then I find out later it was just in my head, I was making it up. But I've read this to several people and they've all been like, oh yeah, no, they're super mad at you. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So what it was with Mark, Mark underscore L underscore Miller, longtime contributor to the show, co-host, whatever you want to call him, friend. I call him friend. He has left the show. And it's because his schedule, his writing, all his personal stuff is taking up so much time that he's no longer part of the show. I did not replace him. Mark is irreplaceable. So is Douche. Douche also has left the show. I keep hoping he'll come back. He keeps saying eventually he'll come back. His was a different thing. He literally just became jaded with comic books. Mm-hmm. He just was not getting the same enthusiasm, the same
2: childlike wonder. Behind the scenes, when he does get that little itch, he actually will like reach out and, mm-hmm. and like be like,
1: "Oh, House of X." Yeah, Blah. like yeah. he'll
2: he's still there. Like it's just little little. We're waiting little for him nuggies. to fall off the cliff. Yeah, just come back. So,
1: um. Yeah, I keep, every so often I'll, I'll check in with him, and he's like, I just don't feel it. I just don't feel comics right now. I'm, I'm into other things right now. So I'm hoping eventually maybe he'll come back. But no one in the show has been replaced. And I wasn't even going to say anything because Mark literally asked me, just let me quietly fade into the background. Don't, don't mm-hmm. bring it up. Don't worry about it. Um, but because we got a message about it, I did want to set the record straight. Mark, uh, I'm hoping we can still do cannibal horror casts he and i still plan to do cannibal horror casts when we can get around to it sadly that does not happen as frequently as i would like but um anyway i just wanted to address it um i miss him he's a buddy of mine he's a good guy uh there is no hard feelings between he and i he is not replaced yeah hopefully he's listening uh and fist pumping i don't know what what that means but um fists at once so uh we do have another letter we got letter Oh, we got lots and lots and lots of one of letter I mean, uh, <laughs> semantics. J, this is called, J.D., your prejudices against Bun are showing. I went back through the archives. We have archives? I went back <laughs> through the archives to check and see, but I can't believe you didn't review Bun's new book, Unearth. It would have been the same week you didn't review Reaver. From friend of the show, um, Justin, Justin Jordan. Jordan. The book has the two key qualities of a Nicolas Cage movie. One, grotesque body horror. And two, a science team sent into a dangerous situation to investigate a mystery. So my one question for you, J.D. Salinger, is... Why didn't you
0: review this book?
1: Sorry, I just got done watching all of the SNL get in the cage bits, and they are all hilarious, especially the Liam Neeson one. I'm killing time waiting for the movie theater to open in five hours so I can see Blinded by the Light, finally. What's the weirdest song you have on your iPod or other playable music device? One that would shock the others in the room. I just recently downloaded Rogue Trader's Voodoo Child and Zombie by Natalie Kills. Chris St. Saucy, good night. I'm looking through my phone right now. I I could come up with something. So, the first thing that comes to my mind... Is Well, I've got two things that come to my mind. One is, because because I thought it would be ironically funny to have it as my ringtone when people called me, was peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, jelly, peanut butter jelly, jelly peanut butter jelly in a baseball bat. bat. So that's on my phone. Um It didn't last very long because it's the most annoying thing in the world. My other song, which I don't know if it's a weird song, but it's certainly one of my favorites. Whenever I'm in a bad mood and I need to just pump, 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 pump it up a little bit, is a song by the Pizzicato Five called Good. And I'm probably, if I think of it, going to put it at the end of this podcast.
2: Uh, I I'm, I i am don't even know what that is. You're going to hear it at the end of this podcast. Um, I am looking through my phone really fast. This is not really surprising to anybody that knows me, uh, but... Looking through the entire list of, of uh, artists on my phone, there's one that kind of stands out as to, like, that genre doesn't really mesh with anything else. And that is I am a huge fan of Sarah Bareilles. I don't,
1: Sarah Bareilles? Yeah. I don't
2: know. I mean, some people that are listening might know. And they'll be like, oh, you mean, like, that easy listening, hmm. like, female empowerment music? And I will respond, yes. <laughs> I love it.
1: Um, send me the song. I will put my song... And your song at the end of this podcast. I'm
2: having a mini panic attack because, like, which song should I send?
1: <laughs> it's, listen, it's so good. Everyone's going to judge it, so make sure you pick the perfect song. Okay. So, um, anyway, I hope that answers your question.
2: Cullen Bunt, are we are we contractually right. obligated to review every Cullen Bunn
1: book? I don't know. Just Well, here's the thing about Unearth, though. I did read it, and it was wonderful.
2: Actually, you, you suggested the first issue for me. I haven't read it yet, but it's in my stack. It's great. Yeah, is it? It's great.
1: I'm looking at number two over there I, on my shelf. I need to go uh, read that. But And the art's wonderful. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Anyway.
2: I think it's time to get into the first long review.
1: Here we go. So, I'm I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. Here we go. Batman number... Oh, Batman number 77. We- written by Tom King with artists Mikael Janin and Tony Daniel. Diamond has this to say about it. City of Bane continues... The last of the independent villains are on the run, leaving Gotham City entirely to Bane and his cronies, including Flashpoint Batman and Gotham Girl. Though this means a semblance of peace on the streets, the iron grip of tyranny is squeezing all life out of Gotham. And with Bane's machinations keeping other heroes out, the city really needs the Batman to return. Is Bruce Wayne ready to face his toughest foes yet, his father and the man who broke his back? So... Noel, you weren't on the last episode because you were on vacation. But mm-hmm. Brian and I noted that you said the last issue of Batman, I would say number 76, because that's how numbers work, yeah. was actually a pretty
2: good issue. 75 and 76 were kind of like an, up, uh, an definite uptick. upticks.
1: And I agree with this issue. This issue was actually a solid Batman issue. Mm-hmm. Everything made sense. Everyone acted in a way that I thought those characters should act. Mm-hmm. This was wonderful. This was a return to... Excellent Batman story.
2: Well, I, I would, I first of all, agree. I would um, argue that it's been this nice again for mm-hmm. four or five issues now. Okay. Like, we were still really angry during the beginning, like the first half of the walking through the desert. Yeah, we brought some uh, baggage to arc. it. Sure. It, it was getting better back then, and by the end of that arc, it was actually really fun. You mm. didn't know who was coming out of the, uh, out of the, out of the hole. That was the one good thing I liked about it. Yeah. Um, and this has just kind of kept that momentum doing very, mm. maybe not new, but interesting things. At mm. least like characters are inciting the plot as opposed to, I'm going to, Relay to you a story of woe and and, uh, and that's like, true d- there's d- just no... people are inciting the, the one narrative. of
1: my biggest problems with this run has been and also his run on heroes not his run but his story heroes in crisis mm-hmm. was i'm going to fill you fill your brain up with word bubbles mm-hmm. word boxes um and it's not going to have much to do with the plot Someone is going to recite a tale to you, or they're going to sing you a song, or they're going to read you a poem, and then we're gonna see some stuff happening in the panels.
2: This was, was actually was
1: conversational. Mm-hmm. The, the plot moved forward. Stakes were at there were stakes, is what I mean to say. There were I mean, stakes. I mean, they were they were escalating Fucking cushions. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm. I'm. During the last arc, I started to like him even more. Um, Flashpoint, Batman. Um, he is a proper fucker. Yeah. Like but in a very odd logical mm-hmm. cold way that's almost more terrifying than just like speechified villain. It, he thinks he's right and he's better than Bruce. The thing that I like about him is an element that I had
1: noticed before with a different character and I think in my experience had done it first was Professor Zoom or Zoom, right? Is that what his name? Thon? It was it was no. No. That's Reverse Flash. I'm talking oh, about Zoom, Zoom, who is Wally West's version of the Reverse Flash, right? Who was his villain. And this was a character who used to love the Flash, uh, really looked up to him, and helped him out on a couple cases. And then he under, he had a um, an explosion happen where he lost his legs. And eventually, blah, 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 he becomes the Reverse Flash, the Zoom character. And his entire motivation was... I like the Flash. Flash, you're great. You're doing wonderful things. But I know through experience that only heroes who suffer great tragedy are the best heroes. So I'm going to create as much tragedy for you as possible in order to make you a better hero. And so I feel like this is a little bit of that here with Thomas Wayne from the Flashpoint universe. Well, Trying to get his son Bruce to stop being Batman. I was going
2: to say the same muscle... But a different kind of like way about it. It's not yeah. he wants him to be the best he could be. He wants him to stop being this, right? But so, I mean, he's so doing something this. to
1: help that character yeah, like, in his own air way. Quotes help. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, I I did uh, the so the the big shocker that uh, spoilers. The big shocker that happens in this book is there are. Uh, Damien is Damien, and he gets on to Go- He sneaks onto to Gotham Island. Is um, caught has a wonderful, creepy interaction with Batman, or uh-huh. Flashpoint Batman. And then the threat is that they will do harm to Alfred if anybody of the Bat family enter into Gotham. Mm-hmm. They did harm to, to, Alfred. <laughs> to Alfred. They did him some harm. Uh, it was a snappy harm yeah, uh, of the neck variety.
1: Um, but- I immediately started getting calls about this at my comic shop because everyone wanted a copy of it yeah uh because a big thing happened. Mm-hmm. My thing about this is a big thing happened to him years ago with the Scott Snyder run on Batman. Lost he his lost hand. his arm yeah. he lost his hand. I don't know how he got his fucking hand back, but it's back. so I was not as moved by this big event as other people were um but I do like in the service of the story how it how it played out
2: it felt um it felt creepy in a way that Uh, Josh Whedon used to be able to do like in the early seasons of Buffy where something fun is happening and then all of a sudden (laughs) it feels real because something terrible happens. And this, the watching, in in the perspective of Damien, watching Alfred get his neck snapped and Alfred pleading not to not do it but don't do it in front of the boy. Yeah. Oh God. And then Flashpoint Batman consoling him this entire, like, four-page sequence is the, the best yeah. Batman comic that's in this run in the last, like, 10, 15 issues. I agree. I actually, agree. longer This whole than issue that, is wonderful. I, yeah. I, up and uh, down, notice, this issue is great. Did you notice how they switched artists? Like, Michael Jannin actually only did this, like, through a four-page sequence.
1: No, no. Michael Janin, uh, Mikael did um, the whole Damien Batman stuff. Ah. Uh, the only time we see Tony S. Daniel is between Bruce and Selina. That's right. So oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's in Paris. Tony S. He's Daniel's a, in Paris with Bruce and Selina. Both excellent Mikael is doing the other stuff. Um, but all of this Damien stuff is wonderful. Yeah. I, loved, I loved watching him. He is one of my favorite Robins, surprisingly. I...
2: I mean, I, I feel like that's an unpopular opinion, but I'm not going to necessarily disagree with you. One of the things that I want to... So I I fell off of his introduction with Grant when Grant Morrison was writing. One of the things that I did want to do is go back and reread. I want to get to know him better. Mm-hmm. Go back and reread those first couple of arcs because yeah. I don't dislike him. I have not really loved Pete Tomasi, though, so I don't want to necessarily read that. Batman no, Robin. Pete
1: Tomasi's Batman and Robin series was wonderful. Did you read any of that?
2: Like an issue or two, I think. No,
1: listen to me. Batman and Robin by Pete De- Peter J. Tomasi is one of the better Batman runs of all time. It's wonderful. He was, at that time we were doing the show, every every time we talked about it, we said, he is the unsung hero of DC. Only now, with Detective Comics, was I m- disappointed in what he was bringing.
2: I rem- I, rem- I think I remember reading some of it. So, after Incorporated, when they killed off Damien, yeah. I remember reading a couple of Tomasi's issues when they were like, ramping up to bring him back mm. almost immediately and i was just like all right whatever no
1: just start with the original new 52 batman and robin i believe that's it was it new 52 with or was that after before
2: it was before wasn't it they're,
1: whatever whatever peter j tomasi batman and robin did read that they're, they're great
2: i promise you mm. um no don't don't no i'm 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 scared don't be, don't be scared. I'm scared all right Yeah, um, uh, this was fun i think yeah. people that that Knee jerk, freaked out, and yeah. dropped all of Batman until a new writer shows up. Yeah. Sample this. It's yeah, actually, it's, it's been, pretty good. It's been pretty fun. It's pretty good.
1: 75, 76, 77. This, this last arc. Solid this whole arc. Batman stories. And it's
2: apparently his finale. This is his like oh, finale is it, is arc. This
1: city of Bane is the last yeah. of this until Batman Catwoman. Yeah, so right. like
2: Batman Catwoman is just an epilogue for the whole yeah. run. But this is like the conclusion of the. You whole You
1: could run. skip most of the run and just read these three issues and have good Batmaning. I mean, you could probably do like
2: one or two arcs from the beginning.
1: I would say of, the Riddle of Jokes, the Bat was the War of the 70, Jokes and Riddles of
2: the eighty-five issues.
1: <laughs>
2: there's at least forty 10 good, like forty <laughs> issues. are fun. Okay, and then ten. Are great. Mm. So about half. Okay, I with middling. Politely middling disagree. I mean, fifty is the peak, 10, right? Where are <laughs> ten are the good ones. There are ten good issues out of this eighty-five issue. I round. think ten great, and then maybe twenty-five good. Let's just keep paring it down. Yeah, this is a negotiation. <laughs> There's right? one good issue uh just really though buy every single trade from Johnny Destructor's Hero <laughs> Complex. <Yeah. laughs> You're looking you
1: looking to me. <laughs> um, should we do the next book? Yeah, let's move on. Let's do it. So Powers of X number 3, written by Jonathan Hickman with art by RB Silva, Diamond has this to say as Xavier sows the seeds of the past, the X-Men's future blossoms into trouble for all mutantdom. Superstar writer Jonathan Hickman continues reshaping the X-Men's past, present, and future with breakout artist RB Silva. I'll tell you what, he truly is a breakout artist. R.B. Silva is doing that work on this book. It's so good. Um, These books, both of them, R.B. Silva and Pepe Larraz, both Powers of X, House of X, top quality Marvel
2: art. It's an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. There's no weak points so far. There's Mm -hmm. been, what, five issues total? Five issues total of this 12-issue experiment of two... Parallelly constructed miniseries that tell a reimagined history of the entire X universe. So that whole sentence sounded boring to me. Yeah, yeah. But for some reason, with every incre- every issue, my excitement increases. Because with every issue, a new plot thread is mm-hmm. either wrapped up but then escalated. Yeah. Then wrapped up you and escalated. You find out
1: something new it makes you
2: go, oh! Disgusting how well this is constructed.
1: Do you remember... Uh, we did the first couple of issues, and then I believe we had a conversation of like, well, should we review every issue? And you're, you were like, I don't know, man. I don't know if we need to review every issue. Mm-hmm. There is not an issue of this series that I was not excited to talk about. I agree. It's so good. And that includes this issue.
2: After the first two issues, it was like, well, you know what, too? It was after after the first two, um, the first issue of House of X, the first issue of Powers of Ten. I I wasn't exactly sure if people would care right. that we kept talking about it because yeah. it's two different series and there's going to be something every week. They're so intrinsically connected, yeah. and then also, they've been so fucking good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Can you tell us yeah. what this is about?
2: Uh, well, Powers of 10 is the, is the series that's going at time frames in the powers of 10. So year zero year 10 year 100 year 1000 of X-Men history. Yeah. So we focus mainly on year 100 here where it is a, it's a man machine versus mutant war. Almost all of mankind is decimated and or worships this cult of machine because they mm-hmm. feel like that's how they're actually going to be able to match mutantum. Yeah. Um All controlled by Nimrod. Creepy, creepy, funny great. Nimrod. I'm,
1: I'm, really attached to this I character. Do, He's a that. lot of fun.
2: So the last five or six mutants, which is a couple of, a couple of newbies and a couple of favorites, um, led by Apocalypse, make a suicide run attempt on Nimrod's facilities mm-hmm. to get one special thing to one special other thing, and we don't know what it is. The whole issue. Yeah. the The mission goes well, in as much as it was meant to be a failure. Yes which is amazing, yeah. and what they are getting to whom or what is directly tied to two issues ago where we learned about the secret history of another famous Mara. character. Yeah, I was, I was kind of walking around it. Nah, don't. Uh, this was we're such four, a wonderful we're, what, surprise. How, how many issues are we in? Five no, no, issues? No. But this was a surprise. Oh, okay. Like how, what they were doing and how it directly tied into oh, Moira's story saying. was great.
1: Yes, it ties into Moira, but we won't say how.
2: Yeah, it it, yeah. it ties into Moria in Which
1: revealed a whole new thing to me mm-hmm. that I was like, Oh, this is how we're doing it. Okay. Yeah, the
2: the the at the end of House of X two, they gave all of those charts and graphs of her lifetimes. And yes. it's now in this two issues later, we're seeing what book is dealing with what timeline of hers yes. and where they intersect. Yes which I
1: guess we will spoil it. I didn't realize that these were different timelines of Moira that we were dealing with. So far, I thought they were all taking place within the same
2: powers of 10. Well, so we now know that year 100 is her ninth timeline. Yes, her ninth life. Yes. And House of X, the start of it, yes, is her 10th. Mhm. What she is doing having learned so like the the original the I guess which one's the main series? These are they're two equally House heavy would, series? I
1: would. it's all I one House, fucking series, man. But they're different. They are, but they're the same series. Yeah. It's you like, can't read one without the other.
2: You remember a couple of years ago when uh, I think it was Greg Rucker that took over the Wonder Man Wonder <laughs> Wonder Woman Run. Mm-hmm. He had it was it was bi weekly, but it was two separate stories going at once. It was uh, It was yeah. him with Nicola Scott and then him it with was Wonder Liam Woman Sharp. Rebirth. I, could, was, I didn't do it. One, I, like it was a current time, but then a, a past, and it yeah. was alternating back and forth. That was the same book, but it was telling two different stories that just kind of touched and each I other. I Hated it. This is technically the same thing, except they're much more more immediately tied together. Yeah. So, I think you can read them separately. Yeah. But I wouldn't suggest it. It oh, should no, be all that should be absorbed in this order.
1: Yeah. Oh, to answer our question from a previous episode. This is Logan. This is our Wolverine. Yes. Yeah. Uh, We weren't sure if he was an amalgamation of a bunch of different genetic splicings the way that, um, oh, what is it, Rasputin is? Yeah, Rasputin
2: and Percival. Percival, yeah. They are of the Chimera, one or two or something like that. The other three- Up to five. Uh, Oh, so they're- They're up to
1: five mutants spliced together.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um, No, but it's it's original Magneto. It's original um, Logan- Uh, It's Krakoa with Encypher's body.
1: That Thank you. Finally, this whole time I've been going, who the fuck is Tree Dude?
2: Who's Groot Groot Light? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, His uh name is Famine. Well, he's the Famine. So basically we've got the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We've Mm -hmm. got Apocalypse himself, and then we've got his four horsemen. War is Wolverine, who is actually James Howlett, which I was pleasantly surprised to find out. Death is Zorn. Pestilence is North, who is a mixture of Dane and Frost. I don't know what that means. Emma Frost, and who's Dane, though? Not sure. Uh, and then Famine is a mixture of Krakoa and Cypher, which is wonderful. So
2: great. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say was that we—so it's now been revealed that X-Men year 100, which mm-hmm. is this part of that story, yeah. is her ninth life, and then House of X is her tenth. Yes. So what does that mean for year zero and year 1000? Right. Year ten is what we're dealing with in House of X. Uh-huh. That's her tenth life. Are we seeing? So I, what I'm thinking, like my mind, my brain's gonna explode. Year one thousand is that life ten, mm-hmm. like the the after effects of life ten. Is that what continues to happen in life nine? Because it looks like a direct right. without her.
1: We don't know. This is great. There's so many options. It's fun. It's so good, and it's so much fun to think about. I'll be honest; I have a little bit of trouble with it, but it's a
2: fun trouble. Uh, yeah, it's like a, a, a puzzle you feel like putting together. Yeah, as opposed to a word problem that you need an answer to. Exactly. It's not yeah. stressful.
1: This is great. Yeah, I can't wait for more of it. Should we do some thunder rounds? Thunder. But Brian's not here to do his super deep wait, thunder round. All right, thunder round.
2: Thunder. thunder. That sounds that like a, that a, that a sounds a like a terrible person. Trying We're gonna to do, do a couple cool.
1: of. We got three thunder rounds. I gotta get my phone out, and Noel's gonna do the first one. Which one? Because I just one. arbitrarily decided that, and he's gonna get a 60 seconds to talk about pretty violent number one, written by Derek Hunter, Jer- Jason Young, and art by Derek Hunter. You ready? Mm-hmm. I'm doing it. Go.
2: This was fine. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, the concept is cute. Uh, it has to do with a troubled youth hero or a superhuman mm-hmm. who is surrounded by villains. So her idea of superheroics is actually really quite flawed, even though that's what she wants to be. Um, it's it's hyper-violent. It's super cartoony. It's not very funny. Um I don't really know who it's for. It's it's trying to scratch that same itch that I Hate Fairyland does, where it's it's very adult themed, but it's in a like it's it's a weird uh, cartoony palette. But this yeah. it goes like too far in both directions. It's so hyper violent. It's it's actually kind of weird, but it's also so cartoony that it makes it like they just don't mix very well, or yeah. it's not juxtaposed very well. I feel like it needs to meet in the middle for it to re- really work. Um, I I didn't love it. I'm not going to say anything until it goes off. Yeah. Okay, there you go.
1: Hmm. Um, I agree with everything you just said. I, I've seen I what you're trying it to, to do. Funnier. and it,
2: yeah. it's like a good idea, but this, this first issue was a little
1: it was a little rough. I think it would be a, a fine cartoon, but I don't think it works as a comic book. Hmm. That's my 10 cents.: What's the next one?: The next one is my Thunder round. I'm going to do Ghost Spider Number One," written by Sean and McGuire with art by uh, Takishi Miyazawa. Ready? I'm going to put my 10, 60 seconds on the clock. Here we go. Alright, so Ghost Spider number one. I really, really, really love that character. I think she's wonderful. I love Gwen Stacy. I do not like the name Ghost Spider. I do not like her original series. I did not like the art in that. By I think his name was Rico Renzi. I'm not entirely sure. The color palette was wonderful. The story ideas were neat, but I did not like the art. This art is wonderful. The cover is wonderful. This is a new start to the character. If you've never read Spider Gwen, this is a jumping on point that I highly recommend and she basically her um her secret identity was revealed in her universe so now she is able to come to our universe just to go to school she's going to college with peter parker they're both enrolled in the same school together and she comes here and has a secret identity she goes home and does not have a secret identity the other interesting thing is that the 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 esu the college knows that she's from another um, d- dimension, and she actually gets a scholarship because of it, which I think is really a cool idea. The whole series is great. Yay! I meant to say the whole issue was great, I, but mean, I got We flustered. don't know if the whole series is great the, the yet. The whole series is great so far. The one issue of the series is great.
2: Uh, I think this was cute. Yes. I, I don't know if it's... it's a great jumping-on point. I, it is, actually. For her character, it is. Yeah. I had no idea that her suit was spiders. That's creepy. Oh, I forgot that, That's too. Symbiote. Damn it.
1: I didn't mention it. All right. I think I have another... Okay, I'm going to do one more. Do you want to do 30 seconds each for History of X or History of um, Marvel, Marvel, Universe? Marvel Universe? Yeah, sure. Here we're going to do. do 30 seconds each. See for Marvel, History 30. of Marvel Universe number two, written by Mark Wade with art by Javier Rodriguez. I'm going first for 30 seconds. Here we go. I really did not care about History of Marvel Universe number one. It involved the cosmic stuff that Marvel does, um, that I honestly have no care in the world for. And I was excited to read this one, which is more about the superheroes coming to Earth or showing up on Earth and, um, uh, all, all, all the shields and, and everything, the Fantastic Four, Thor, all that stuff. It's This was much better. This is much more my speed. I fucking loved it. This was a much better read than issue number one. Go.
2: Uh, Yeah, this is probably like this is the, 20, the, the beginning, of the first half of the 20th century, which is all the uh, Captain America, World War II, kind of uh, rise of mutants, invaders, stuff that we are more familiar with. I loved the first issue because I really liked learning about all that stuff in a textbook fashion that's just Beautiful looking. This just continued that, and I can't wait to read the rest of it. This should be read physically. If you can get your hands on a copy of this, it's great because it just turns really well. His art's great.
1: Ah! ah, we did it.
2: His art's great. I don't know. It's <laughs> a ringtone. I'll be honest.
1: I don't know <laughs> if uh, the listener it, likes these thunder rounds. I fucking love doing them. <laughs> the, the immediacy of it, and I just have such a good time. Well, I
2: mean, I think that aren't we aren't we supposed to forget about new things soon? What do you mean? Wasn't there a listener that was like, uh, oh, uh, Home Dad Abroad. You know, when you guys try oh, new oh, things, and you'll, new, you'll new... forget about it eventually. The yes. new format. yeah. So I think we're, this is like five in a row.
1: We're doing pretty good. I'll it be honest. <laughs> All right, here we go. We're going to move on to Superman Year One, Number Two, written by Frank Miller with art by John Romita Jr., Diamond has this to say, Clark Kent's journey of self-discovery continues in the second installment of Frank Miller and John Romita Jr.'s remarkable reimagining of Superman's origin story. This chapter takes young Clark to the Pacific coast and beyond as he discovers a place as sensational as he is. Atlantis. There he meets new people, finds love, clashes with gargantuan beasts, and discovers the man he's meant to be. Now... Uh, we both sort of enjoyed issue one. We thought it was pretty good. Frank Millering, right? Because he has not been delivering anything that I have enjoyed for over a decade. But I believe we both liked issue one. Yes, Noel.
2: Yeah. Um. I had a. I had some structure. Issue. Like. Well. It's really hard for me to say that I liked it. I was intrigued by it. I read it all the way through, and I'm glad I did. But I still don't know if I liked it. So it was always about like the next issue, kind of telling me. Uh, or filling in some holes that I had. And it wasn't story holes. It was fine. I actually really liked learning about, like, the... I loved... Uh, the first issue, the stuff that I loved the most was the the minutia of growing up mm-hmm. uh, with those extra issues or problems or abilities. Yeah. Just the, my favorite panel in that entire 60-page book was um, Baby Clark had gas, mm-hmm. and he was flying over the 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 weeds in the farm. Oh. Yeah. The tall flying over the tall grass. He was farting? Yeah. I remember that. So um, uh, at least that's how I interpreted it because Pa Kent actually asked. Martha and Pa are having a conversation in the foreground and you just like a pop and then you see baby Kent just kind of like flying up above Uh the tall grass and Pa says something to the effect of, would you feed him today? Oh, funny. It was just these cute little kind of like... Uh, middle America, stern upper lip, raising of this exceptional boy that was yeah. really charming and yeah. fun. But then it was all mired by this weird um, omniscient narration that I had no mm-hmm. idea where it was coming from. There was no delineation or, or distinction of who's talking to who at most times. The age ranges and the years didn't really line up with the art. I wasn't sure what was going. It was it was seemingly simple things. That were made complicated for no reason I could tell.
1: It was amateur hour problems. A little bit. That from the production stance of this book, from the lettering the caption boxes, et cetera. Right. It was a little off. I feel like that's a little bit better here because we actually get caption boxes with different colors. It's better and worse. Telling us who is talking here (laughs) and there very inconsistently, (laughs) so we're still dealing with the same problem with these caption boxes. That being said, how do you feel of the story of it? Because I was interested enough that this is a thing from Superman origin story that we've never seen before. We've never seen him join the Navy. Mm -hmm. We've never seen him... Even though he has had trysts with Lori Lamaris, he's had you know he's fallen in love. She was a girlfriend at one point, and she was a mermaid. We've never really seen this whole Atlantis
2: excursion before. So I didn't know about Lori. Oh, she's a classic her. character from So way back
1: from the seventies. I want to say
2: after this issue, I do I do understand what they're doing. This is three issues long. It's going to it's essentially going to be the three loves of his life. Mm-hmm. The first issue was all about Lana. meeting and falling in love with Lana. Yeah. She is not mentioned whatsoever here. Yeah, and it's only like maybe months later.
1: That's a good point.
2: So all it makes me feel is that I I get that when you're this young, you've just, your emotions are all or your hormones are all over the place. Yeah. All it is, is a weird, um, it's a weird, like virtue struggle to hang out with this mermaid. Mm -hmm. Like he just lets the world pound on him. You don't really know why just that she's a siren. Mm -hmm. Um, and he just in, in a weird cocky way, he's just impenetrable. And, oh yeah, yeah. I mean it was it was interesting but it wasn't entertaining.
1: I didn't really feel his motivation in any of this. He's sitting there, he's going through all the motions of lifting the logs and doing sit-ups in the in the water because it's that's the navy, I guess.
2: But like why? It's uh, he he kind of the whole issue, there's only one instance in this whole issue that was interesting when it comes to his his service. Mm. Um but for the rest of it it was I didn't know why it was. It was he kept doing it because he could. Yeah. it's easy. I'll make it look hard. Yeah, and it's easy. Like the entire internal monologue was how easy this is, but you never knew why he was kind of going through it. And that was the first issue too. Like we started talking a little bit about why he would join the service, yeah. and we came up with reasons as to why yeah. he might do it. We did the it's work not for told. Frank. Yeah, but um, there is a really interesting whole thing here where he starts to he starts to feel a bloodlust. Cause that's what his entire training is.
1: Well, right. they keep pounding it into him,
2: which is super interesting. Like I thought that was super interesting. And like coming from a point of, um, he eventually will evolve into this character that does not elect to take life no matter what, Yeah, at least Frank's version, maybe, but why this is really interesting. He, uh, there's a, he, he cites a conversation with Pa. Like at first it's, how easily he can do it to stop something from happening when he's faced with the decision on an actual like wet mission. He doesn't do it even though he should, yeah. or from the perspective of his, his, uh, his superior officer, he should have. Yeah. Um. But he kind of, he decides to wash out because he didn't feel he needed to take a life. Like his, I think he's coming to the realization that his, his absolute power allows him to not have to. Mm-hmm. And that's, The better decision. To
1: find another way. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like, he has the ability more than anyone else, arguably, to to do it.
1: I think my problem is, with Spider-Man, you have an inciting event that brings that character to a specific decision that carries through the stories uh, of his comic books, right? There's nothing in here that I get that tells me why. Other than, ah, I don't have to kill people, so I guess I won't. There's no... And I, but, it I also don't, but I also don't want someone to die so that a hero can figure out how to live, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's a bit ham-fisted as well. I would have liked a more nuanced thing, but I don't feel like I got anything from this. Um, but that being said, I was not disinterested reading the book. Mm-hmm. I think my one big takeaway from the book as far as a negative would be, you could, much in the way that I read Chuck Palahniuk books, and I feel like I could take a red sharpie and maybe erase or scroll off half of the book because it's so repetitive. Mm-hmm. He uses this repetition as a way to beat things into your head. I feel like the same thing is done here by Frank Miller. A little bit. He just, you could take a quarter of the word bubbles out of here if you just delete the repetition.
2: Well, when you say word bubble, do you mean the caption, boxes? The caption they, boxes are so repetitive yeah we go in we go in wet we're going in wet yeah like tell yeah. don't show or show don't tell kind of thing yeah
1: and it's so it's so much tell everything's it's the grunts and groans echo and echo it's so hard for them everything's so hard for them you know what i mean it's just like we get it it's hard for them <laughs> I'm trying to find more. Um. Oh,
2: here uh, when he's with the grenade situation. Four seconds, the idiot. Hold it tight. Hold him tight. Let him see. Let them see. Let him get a look at the <laughs> the hell, so he won't bring it on. Two seconds. One second. Let him stare. Let him see. Like it's yeah. it's it's almost iambic yeah. in a way, um, which yeah. Uh, you don't need the air. Let it out now. Breathe
1: the water. It's easy. It's easy. Why why do we have an extra? It's easy. We got it. It's easy.
2: I like how he's packing, and his Superman suit is just out in the open for all of his com- his uh, uh his comrades. Soldiers. I was gonna yeah. say comrades. It's not, <laughs> it's not accurate. His buddies. All of his, his
1: chums. Although I did like watching the um, I don't know. Is he a fucking sergeant? What is he? This Kurtzberg. Kurtzberg. I liked Kurtzberg getting wise to the fact that Clark is something else. Oh
2: yeah, for a for a good portion of the book, we actually switched to excerpts from his memoir.
1: Yeah. See, now that is great. Well, they tells you what it was. Exactly. He says, this is my journal, and then we read excerpts from his journal, and it's in a different font, it's in a different um, color. But, like, just do that for everything.
2: So uh, when they get to Atlantis... where he has to go through some sort of arcane trials to earn her hand in marriage or whatever.
1: Yeah, from her dad, who was apparently all of a sudden incestuous for no reason. Uh, that incestuous got weird. and crazy. Yeah, it yeah. got real weird.
2: Um, so you've got this third-person omniscient narrator who changes tense constantly. Then she is able to communicate with Clark in his head, like telepathically, so mm-hmm. her text boxes are um, yellow. Uh, when he responds back to her, the text boxes are blue, but the white ones might be coming from him too. I don't know. Yep. And then when the Kraken monster talks to him, it's red and black. But then also when the King of Atlantis talks back to him, it's red and black, and it's all mixed. And then there's also normal text boxes, normal word balloons with yeah. no direction. Yeah. So I guess people can talk underwater, except they don't until they do. Mm-hmm. But when they do... No one's saying anything.
1: It's so weird. It's I, so weird that is the biggest gripe I have with this book is that one thing, and that's that's a production thing. They could fix this with color
2: i i it has to be, more consistent. It has to be intentional, but I can't for the life of me gleam why yeah, unless there's a prologue at the end of this whole series of you know. A cheesy ass epilogue. book closing oh sorry, an epilogue of this whole series of a cheesy ass book closing, and you were just listening to the narration of someone who knew everything and was writing this t- yeah. if it's Joel schuster <laughs> that's but telling even this then, crazy there's story. so many different different know, no, it, it it it's coming make any from sense.
1: different narrators, the entire book is a mess that being said,
2: still enjoyed reading it I
1: still enjoyed reading it, yeah yeah,
2: it's a weird thing to say i understand it's um, it's it's a fascinating mess right now.
1: Also, I love this Kraken. I love the little oh, the baby Kraken's Kraken, awesome. and then all of a sudden, fucking Mama Kraken shows up, and he's Wait. she's like four times the size.
2: There are two Krakens.
1: There's two Krakens. There's a baby Kraken, right? And then he Superman s- quickly beats it. He I believe he makes him vomit, right? He he vomits himself up. See, look, little Kraken, big. This is Big Kraken's mama foot. I Thought
2: it was the whole. It no, it's all one Kraken. Look,
1: Big Mama Kraken,
2: little baby Kraken. Wait. See, big. That's, mama. Where's the little one in comparison? Little one? No, I know, but I thought it was just the head of the same thing. Nope, it's this. It's it's the her
1: slamming her fist down. The storytelling is not great there. It took me a second as well, but um, yeah, that there's baby Kraken because baby Kraken even calls Mama Kraken.
2: Mother, come save me! Yes. I got it. Yeah. So then all of a sudden,
1: huge fucking Kraken. I love shows the
2: character up. design. This makes me angry though.
1: That you didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, it took me a second to figure it out, which I oh now have. they're both swimming away.
2: Yep. God damn it.
1: Um, but so yeah, I don't know. There's only one issue left, right? All of these black label books are only three issues.
2: Well, these ones are. Yeah, I, I think I don't know if they're all going to be three issues. As but much as this so is
1: a problem, I kind of feel weird that there's only one issue left. Well, I guess it's going to wind I mean, up with him in Metropolis by the end, but well, feels I'm sh- very rushed.
2: So I assume there's going to be. Tenuous relate, like connection to this issue to the next, mm-hmm. and they'll probably skip so many things, yeah. like the end of a relationship yeah. as they did with Lana. And it'll just no, be no, we about got him. the end
1: of no, we got the end of Lana's relationship. They said goodbye to each other, he was on his way out. And he, he, I like that he had to use, he had to figure out how to use his that telescopic. A, that was a goodbye, that was in a, order I'll see, to you see, see her
2: soon. That was when I see, read I it again. Know. That was I'll see you soon when you come back home. I'll see you oh. again.
1: Eric Larson, uh, artist and writer, creator of Savage Dragon. Mm-hmm. I follow him on Twitter, and he's wonderful. And he will do these tiny little um, commentaries on comic books, on art style, on panel layout, on the way word bubbles work. And he'll just, for, the, for sh- shits and giggles, just do a Twitter thread about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the neat thing about issue one that he found was, and it took me... I didn't even realize what he was showing me until someone, I read down the thread. So we're looking at the page of Clark getting on the bus and you see the bus and you see the windows Mm -hmm. and it says the windows don't open. The next page is Clark Kent having opened one of the windows and is leaning out smiling. And it took me so long to realize that, but it was like, yeah, it's inconsistent. I thought that was just a neat little (laughs) tidbit. Um, Oh, and the the next cover is Superman straining to hold up the Daily Planet um, mm-hmm. globe. So yeah, we're definitely getting Metropolis by the end of the next one. <sighs> I just feel like this could have been six issues, and it could have been no. I wouldn't more six if it was structured better.
2: That's a lot of caveats. Yeah, I enjoy reading it. I don't know if it's good. No. Yeah, I love John Romita's art. Mm-hmm. I'm I enjoying- don't love it. I do I think
1: it's pretty good
2: well I mean this instance of it pretty good this is the best I've seen in, in a long time I love his art
1: I loved his art in Amazing Spider-Man when John Romita no that J. Michael like Straczynski years. was writing it that was peak J.R.J.R. for me
2: I'm trying to think of my favorite but JRJR. like even in the Actually, last I loved his run of Cap with uh, Remender uh, I only read the first issue I loved I it I couldn't do it absolutely loved it yeah yeah it was it was bat wonky it was great yeah, yeah.
1: um all right Speaking of batshit wonky, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen number two, written by Matt Fraction with art by Steve Lieber. Diamond has this to say, only Jimmy Olsen knows what Superman's secret superpowers truly are. And now those mysteries are finally will finally be shared with you and only you don't tell anyone. And Jimmy won't have any of his pals super abilities to help him get out of his latest jam as he hits the dark and dirty streets of Gotham City. Preamble. I did not care about issue one. I thought it felt disjointed and hard to follow. And there was a bunch of different segments that didn't seem connected. But I am so glad that I read issue number two because it really starts to put everything together in perspective. You're starting to see why certain things were happening in the first issue that I may not have been aware of. For instance, the very first story with uh, Luthias Alexander and... Was it Joachim Olsen?
2: Joachim Olsen, yeah.
1: Yeah, which there was a uh, typo here. In the Joachim Olsen, in the um, title of the story, is J-O-A-C-H-I-M. But then when someone calls him by name in the second panel of the second page, they spell it J O J A O C H I M. So,
2: that's just a well, little thing you know to what? For Review over.
1: Yeah, we're done. Okay. They failed. Yeah, this is garbage. DC fucked it up.
2: This is garbage. But this was a bucket of fun. This was a cherry on top of the Sunday that was this week's comics. This was so enjoyable. And I really loved the first issue, to be honest with you. Steve Lieber and Matt Fraction. It's This feels like Saturday morning interstitials mm-hmm. or reading a comic strip, except every single comic strip is about um, Jimmy Olsen or a relative of Jimmy Olsen. Yes. And they, we now know in the second issue that they now continue separately of one another. Yes. So it's like reading a bunch of short stories, but the short stories are... are. Bless you. Got another one? But the short stories are carrying on almost like reading dailies. Yes. Which is so... Which I
1: I didn't get from the first issue.
2: I didn't either. I was thinking that... I I wasn't sure if there was going to be another, like, pack of five or six two or three page one uh, one shots which could have been fun but I wondered if it was sustainable for 12 issues Mm because this is a 12 issue maxi series. but this is so
1: good I feel much better about it this issue I'm excited for all 12 issues now that I've read the second issue Um, I hope that other people have done the same thing they read the first issue and despite their misgivings have read the second one because the team is really great it's Matt Fraction and Steve Lieber they are both excellent at what they do so I was surprised at myself for not enjoying the first one.
2: I, um, Matt but, Faction's hit or miss sometimes, too. Sometimes he's so in the weeds, it's mm. very hard to like really follow.
1: Same with Remender. I feel similarly True. about Remender.
2: Sometimes they get uh, a little bit too bogged down by plot mechanics, and then it's just so intricate for no reason. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, I do want to cast a light on one panel in this book, it's, um, there's no page numbers, but it's basically when Jimmy Olsen and Superman are talking on the top of, uh, the Daily Bugle. And, uh, I think I'd like to be there to help. Don't worry about it. We got more than enough to cut something funny together. They've, they've finished. Superman has finished telling his like gag about what his different superpowers are, his secret superpowers are, which was actually in itself funny.
2: I mean, Pacquaman's a, a thing now. So Paul-Craman,
1: yeah. Um, the cat. <laughs> There is a uh, pay I'm sorry there is a panel right in the middle of the page and it's Jimmy gesticulating towards Superman who is has stepped off of the building and is standing arms crossed and his legs are crossed and he's got a slight smirk on his face and for some reason this really struck me as the Superman I always want to see when I think about things like Zack Snyder and the DCEU this is the Superman I want to see from Superman movies and the character in general. I don't I'm I'm tired of Jim Lee drawing Superman and other other artists drawing Superman. He's st- you know head down and he's staring out the tops of his eyes and he's got his um his eyes are glowing red as if he's about to murder you with his heat vision, right? And he's looking real frowny. This is my Superman. Arms crossed. He's got a bit of a smile. He's very casual looking. Now, I'm going to forgive the fact that his boots are drawn differently, uh, even in the same panel. Oh, what, yeah. the, the one boot in front has three lines, and the boot behind it only has two lines. That's whatever. I don't care.
2: But <laughs> Fired. Really, but what do you what do you think? Do you, do you agree with me? Like, look at this panel. I, this is it, There's a there's a humble confidence to yes. Clark Kent here and it's it's wonderful as opposed to he's a god fear him mm-hmm. or he's a menace don't trust like there's a it's he is um it's accepted that he has absolute power because he exudes responsibility yes and and humility yeah which it's, it's captured in just the way that he's pose. not hes not hovering over Jimmy. No. He's literally like laying back like on a recliner. It's just the fact that he can hover. So that was his choice yeah. to hover while he's just like buddy. It's very conversational like he, he and just casual. He just crosses his arms. He's just like are you sure dude? Yeah. Like it's just really nice and so I was going to go try and grab a physical copy which you are sold out of the, in the store. Yeah. Um, the next two pages is a splash panel of six panel grids and it's the most wonderful scene in the whole issue, <laughs> where Jimmy uh, Superman essentially asks him, "Do you want to come on this run with me? I'll keep you safe. You can get a scoop for the for the for the planet. It'll be fun." Yeah. And it's sad. It's, this is a very go ahead. This is very sad for me. Good. It, well, it's and Jimmy has essentially been kind of beaten down that he's nothing but a liability and a risk, and he's by only, his
1: brother in a previous scene.
2: also too by. By Perry. Yeah. By Perry and the paper, he's only good for clicks because he does silly shit. Um, He declines because he's only good for silly and he's not meant for danger. And Superman kind of gets interrupted with, uh, but Jimmy, you, and then pauses and you get about 12 panels? 11. 11 panels of the various bits of danger and heroism, whether they be wacky or intense. That Jimmy Olsen has put himself in in the last 80 years willingly, including a war correspondent. And instead of correct him or pep talk him like a good friend, he just kind of, like Superman, just kind of, all right, buddy, whenever you're ready, you let me know. Yeah. But it's just, it's a wonderful, like, internal and external scene about the dichotomy of this relationship and why it works, which Mm -hmm. is just awesome. My problem
1: with it is that I was not sure if Superman was about to say, but Jimmy, you're not very silly. And then he has a bunch, 12 flashes of him being very silly. It's not until the war panel where um, Olsen is, you know, he's sitting there, he's got three cameras on him, he's wearing full fatigues, his uh, hand is busted up, and he's got bullet wounds in in his um, outfit that I realize, oh no, this is him... Yes, some of it appears silly, but it's also him risking his life over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I didn't quite get that until the second-to-last panel. Up until then, I was like, oh, is he just thinking? Because there's literally a panel here where he's a horse. Well, it's Superman also. With a bow tie.
2: The two of them were turned into horses.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it took me a second to get what the meaning of these panels was.
2: I think think this two-page splash is this entire character Mm. just in a nutshell the extreme ridicule ridicule okay uh and the extreme selflessness and heroism just but it's all in the same package like um i don't think many other writers and art teams could have encapsulated that complexity very well Mm -hmm. which i i Love this book.
1: Yeah, it's an all-star team. Yeah, this is great. I, I'm glad that I like this book because I was a little disappointed that I didn't uh, with the first issue. I can now fully say Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen, the two mini series, maxi series that were coming out of the Brian Michael Bendis run of Superman, which I was like, uh, I don't know if anyone's going to care about this. I don't know if I'm going to care about this. They are both great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just have to get through the first two issues of Jimmy... I had to get through the first two issues of Jimmy Olsen.
2: I think the second issue of of Lois is stronger, too. Yeah, but I mean, I I was on.
1: As soon as I got to the end of issue one of Lois Lane, I was like, this is fucking great. I'm in. Do you want to move on to Jane Foster, Valkyrie number two? I'm not going to wait for an answer. I'm going to say, yeah, we're going to move on. Writer is Jason Aaron and Al Ewing. The artist is Kafu. I
2: want him to be Kafu or her. He's Kafu. It's to be Kafu. They are Kafu. They are Kafu. They are Kafu.
1: Uh, (laughs) Diamond says, introducing the god of the kill, Bullseye. The deadliest shot in the Marvel Universe just got his hand on the sword of a god. With the Asgardian weapon Dragon Fang, Bullseye has the power to kill a god in a single stroke, and he's about to prove it. Jane Foster, the newly christened Valkyrie, must learn a hard lesson. Not every death can be prevented. Who is next on Bullseye's list, and what is the assassin really after? This is really good.
2: This is gnarly as hell, and I love it.
1: I was not sure how I was going to feel about this. Part of me still wishes she was a version of Thor. She has more to do as Thor, right? Um, this does feel a little bit like, what What do we do with her? What can we do with her? We liked her as Thor. People liked her as Thor. Can we do something with her that still has... Do you know what I mean? It feels like a um, consolation prize, but maybe, it's still
2: working. Maybe a concept is a consolation prize, or could be a consolation prize. But what these two issues have proven to me was that the idea of Thor and her as Thor was a plot device, not a character definer. Okay. Because she's so good. She's like, great. The, uh, her, her having a hammer or this gauntlet are... The all-weapon? The all-weapon, yes. Uh, are just plot devices because yeah. she is so fascinating. Yeah. And this, these new... I don't remember ever really... Knowing the skill set or understanding really what Valkyrie and Valkyord are, ditto. Um, I know. I you. I know that they they are warriors that uh, escort uh, fallen uh, fallen warriors fallen to, to Valhalla. Valhalla. Yes. So essentially, reapers, yeah. I guess. But yeah. they also are warriors themselves, and they can move back and forth mm. through the realms. Um, but with that comes this really interesting, like death vision Mm -hmm. where giant skulls are are getting bigger and bigger and about to eat you if you're about to die and she but she has the ability to not just be an observer of or observer of this power or skills Mm -hmm. so throughout the issue and I'm hoping they continue to do this she's able to see danger in almost a spider sense kind of way Yeah, uh, of who to save or help and Mm -hmm. when this is just so fun and the art is so, so good. good, so good.
1: Who is this? Do we say Kafu? They Kafu. Kafu. I, I yeah, I wasn't a hundred percent sold with the first issue, but the action in, in this is so good.
2: Well, it's it's also the pacing of the action. So mm-hmm. like, it's not just it's not just hit 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 volley volley hit. They intersperse it with like these great panels of character when they're talking. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times you'll see an action comic of just like a couple of splashes and a shit ton of text boxes as if they're talking while they're emoting hard and Mm -hmm. physical, which is just something we accept in comics. But a really good panel layout will actually give you those in between moments where they communicate or where they take breaths. Mm -hmm. And this does it. There's this really great panel. I don't even know the page, but, Um, Bullseye just got whacked in the mouth, Mm -hmm. and he takes a minute to kind of savor the blood and savor the moment. Oh, yeah. And you see, like, detailed chipped tooth Mm -hmm. as he does his creepy grin, and you're like, this is so well done. Well, it's also a callback
1: to Bullseye back when Frank Miller was at his peak and he was doing Daredevil. Um, Bullseye had his teeth knocked out. Mm. So... This is a callback to that he's He's got his fake teeth also busted up, too. I didn't know but, that
2: yeah i've never read I've never read born again,
1: born oh, again? that that yeah I don't yeah. know if it was in born Again itself, but um it was definitely in Frank miller's run um, oh, and
2: then they've at the, at the end of this issue, they've set up a very interesting direction for the book of uh her and Heimdall. kind of exploring the unknown. All right, that's my question for you. Do you think
1: that the next issue is actually going to be Heimdall's um, spirit and Jane Foster journeying into mystery? Or do you think this is going to be like, this is just sort of a, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Just a setup for like, What's going to happen in between issues?
2: So I know I know Jason Aaron is only a co-writer, maybe yeah. a plotter. Um, I think at least for the rest of this arc, we will have kind of this tag team mm-hmm. where she, I think she'll eventually take him to Valhalla. Yeah. Um, and I think that the next arc or a little bit after that, they'll start to readdress some of the uh, questions and the death site and why Bullseye has... Even been a part of this, mm-hmm. you know. There's that. There's a, there's an outlying kind of question as to how Bullseye was even brought into the fold when exactly. it comes to the sword being available and yeah. how to use it. So I think there's. I think they're seeding a bigger story, mm-hmm. but this is just going to be like the small pieces getting there.
1: I do love. I love the scene where Heimdall is fading. He's dying, mm-hmm. and it's not something that has occurred to me. But he says, "Don't take me to Valhalla. I don't want to go there. I have seen. I, he's he's." He can see everything. He's mm-hmm. seen everything he wants to see. So he's even seen Valhalla and what happens there. And he's experienced it just by seeing it. So he doesn't really want to go there. He wants to go and see things that even he, an all seer, has never seen. And yep. that's why it's that's, I mean, that was kind of a cute little journey in the mystery. Like mm-hmm. it was a little bit of an eye roll, but also kind of cute. I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. I did kind of go ugh, but also kind of like yee. <laughs> um,
2: um, I did. I do like the idea too. Like they're they're almost setting her up as they're setting her up as a I guess special. Like Heimdall actually mentions too. Like she may be the only one who is able to do something this big of an ask because she's the last and the first at the same time. So where they're going to go or where she's going to take him, I have no idea like outside of the nine realms where the hell is that Yeah
1: Also fucking props to the all weapon That's rad I'm it's I'm, super I'm, rad. I'm st- I still can't figure remember how to pronounce it um Mergenschmergen. schmergen. uh,
2: uh dern. it's under
1: Undjarn und Undjarn U und N D R J A A I'm sorry U N D R J A R N Undjarn But like She's my favorite scene of this whole book is um, she has knocked Bullseye off of his horse, off the winged horse, which oh, that was a nice little twist when he's able because he's got the sword, he's able to command the horse and it bonks her on the head with her hoof. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, she's got him down and she's posing. He literally calls her out on like her pose, but she's holding her mace, her giant mace mallet, whatever you want to call it. And it shoots out the tip of it and clocks him right in the mouth. With a chain behind it. I love that scene.
2: I, I it, normally I'd probably complain about a, uh, like a tool that can be any tool you want, like a plot device. But it makes but sense here. But this is so cool. I love it. I love yeah. this. It becomes wings. Well, it, it also that's that's like its its best attribute is also its greatest weakness because it can't be all things at once. It could only be one thing at a time. So if she has if she needs wings, she doesn't have the mace. If yeah. she needs the mace, she doesn't necessarily have like it's it's a uh, it's. Binary, it can't yeah. be everything at once. So, which is cool.
1: Very cool. Yeah, I am surprised at how much I like this
2: book. I am too. I, but you know what? I've been on this Thor kick for maybe a year or so now. Mm-hmm. So, this is just still in I'm line with all fan. this fun stuff.
1: I, I've never been a Thor fan. I'm now a Thor fan because of Jason Aaron. I,
2: I, I feel like a lot of people feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I wonder if this is similar to back in the '80s when, um, the oh fuck, who who did the big run on Thor?
2: Before Straczynski? But way before,
1: like the Old Simonson? Simonson. The Simonsons had done it. I feel like that is the one that everyone holds Wheezy. up on, um, on a pedestal of, like, the Thor. This is my Thor. This Jason Aaron stuff, the past oh, six yeah. years, has been I, actually, just is fucking it, awesome.
2: Doesn't it end, like, this week?
1: Well. Yes and no. King Thor. So his run is still going, but the name of the book is changing.
2: But only for, like, four issues. It's just, like, an epilogue. Is it real? No. Yeah. There's only four. More. Yeah, so like, uh, Thor 16 is the last issue of Thor. No. And then four issues of King Thor, which is just an epilogue story. Maybe like his last battle. Uh huh. And then, no Thor. No, I'm sorry. Or a new team.
1: It's a new team. No, I mean, no Thor. It's
2: Thor's dead, team. guys. No Thor. Yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> Thor is over.
1: Um. No is Thor. He, is he still going to be writing Avengers?
2: Yeah, he's on Avengers for a long right, time. Because, cool. like, uh, in the last arc, they see that he... I forget. Oh, um, during the War of Realms crossovers, yeah. um, who was it? Uh, Daredevil that had Heimdall's powers. Which was awesome. He had... The God,
1: the God without fear.
2: Yeah, in the Avengers title, he had an, uh, a conversation with She-Hulk about her import- her importance in the coming trials. Oh, really? And he mentioned, like, five things which were clearly arcs, oh, <laughs> like mentions of arcs yeah. and, and large things and where she's going to be used and where she's going to be needed. It was like in conversation of like, you won't necessarily be there for the battle in hell. However, your special needs that you'll blah a little up for this. Like, okay, cool. He, he specifically did one of those things where, right, like, Bendis used to do it all the time. Where oh, it, yeah. He would just this like. This
1: year in New Avengers. Or, or worse
2: than that, where it'd be like in the panel, you see a timeline of like tragedies. Uh-huh. From a future person. Yeah. And it's like five arcs from now is another event book. I love shit like that. He did he did that. I love seeding. Like so that. it's it's like he's gonna be around for a for a long while. Okay,
1: good. Me too. Sea of Stars excited. is not cutting it for me. I need more Marvel Jason Aaron. He's been he's, fucking killing it. He really has. Yeah. I I'm so happy. Um that is it. Is there anything oh, you know what's funny? I, I forgot to mention earlier when the aforementioned person wrote in to me through Instagram about uh Mark. Mm-hmm. He did say, and I don't know if Brian's listening, but Brian Lieb, um, he did say that um, Brian is a good in-between me and you, because mm-hmm. he said me and you by ourselves can get a little manic. Uh, you mean like <laughs> we have been for he's, this he's last hour? That's <laughs> not wrong. You and me plus alcohol, super manic.
2: I, I, you know, just po- power through. Yeah. Uh, you have to do a book report.
1: Oh, fuck. I got to do a book report. Fuck them. We are manic. I'm going to take it. It's fine. (laughs) So I did a back issue book report. So we do a new bit that we are still doing um, (laughs) called back issue book report, where we will roll a dice. We will figure out which letter of the alphabet corresponds to that dice roll. And then the other person will have to pick a back issue from my literal back issue section of my comic shop, Johnny Destructo's hero complex to have to do our book report on for next week. And it's a first grade book report. It's a pretty easy book report. Um, so the book report asks: the author of the book is question mark. So it's written by Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee, and the book issue itself is Marvel Knights Humans number seven, and um, the publisher slash year of the book is Marvel, and it's 1999. So it's quite a while away. And twenty years. The main characters of the story are Rexel toiven and Medusa, and Maximus. These are all inhumans. Um, what was the problem in the story, the book report asks. Rexel is a lesser inhuman that lives down in the substructure, not up with the, the well-to-do inhumans, which are even below the inhuman um, kingdom, the the royal family, uh, they live in the substructure, which seems to be where all the outcasts of the inhuman society live. But today is voting day, quote unquote. So he's proud to have a chance to have something to say. And the voting is because one of the inhumans' brothers were killed by a human during uh, whatever war that they're fighting. Now, keep in mind this is issue seven of a twelve-issue miniseries, maxi series. Um, so, because that inhuman was killed by a human in Adelan... So, Adelan is the name of the place that they live.
2: It's Helen or Adelan?
1: I always Adelan? said Adelan. I don't know. Adelan law states that a life demands a life. So, uh, this guy's brother is trying to get the people to vote to kill... This is un- uncertain. All humans, I guess. So basically the royal family comes down. Medusa comes down and says, yeah, we can take the life of a human because of this law, but it has to be the life of the particular human who killed this inhuman. Mm-hmm. We can't just wage war on humans because a human killed an inhuman. That's not how this law works. So if this guy's brother wants to go to Earth and figure out which human killed him, bring him back here, put him on trial, get dead. Um, so, um, also, I guess one of the other things that's going on is Maximus, who is his, the brother of, uh,
2: Bolt, Black Bolt, Black Bolt.
1: Maximus, Black-A-Gar-Boltigan? he's Blackagar Boltigan, um, which is a wonderful tweet by, uh, uh, Jamie McKelvey. Um, he just, it, it actually took off and he went on to do a bunch of different tweets based on Blackagar Boltigan. It was wonderful. He's pretty funny. Um, So Maximus is the crazy brother of Agar Boltagon, (laughs) and he's stirring up the people, trying to get them to agree to start a whole war with all of the humans. So that's sort of the problem of the story. My favorite part of the story was watching Maximus manipulate events and act all crazy. So he's just one of those characters that's like the joker it's like writers can just kind of have a lot of fun with them and really just make them as wonky and kooky as they as they feel like and so he's a lot of fun to read um the resolution was no resolution yet since this is a maxi series 12 issues i think Uh, we haven't really gotten to the end of it um and i'm jumping right in the middle (laughs) <laughs> um, so I guess there were six my, my feeling is there were six issues and that sort of wrapped up some sort of subplot and now this is the beginning of another subplot that's going to take us through the rest of the series so I am not a big Inhumans fan I don't care about them I never have, mm-hmm. I probably never will
2: it's your favorite book of the week yeah, um, <laughs> but I've heard
1: really good things about Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee's Entire run, run. Their, yeah. their 12 issue series is supposed to be one of the best Inhumans series ever Besides what you've mentioned to me, which is "Death of the well, Inhumans" by Donny Cates, I've
2: never read the Jenkins, Marvel Knights J Lee yeah. one. So I hear it's the best, but no, yeah, yeah I, I've only read recent.
1: Now, the thing I added to this book report is: what was your favorite ad in the issue? Because going <laughs> through, it's lovely to see all the different ads. So my favorite ad in this issue was a Spider-Man movie ad. Now, take 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 into account, this is 1999. And I don't think the Spider-Man movie came out until 2001. hmm And, um, oh, maybe 2002, because there was the whole was 9-11 thing. Yeah. All right? So it must have been 2002. Um, but May 2002. basically there was a full-page ad saying, hey, we worked it out. There's a Spider-Man movie going to happen someday. Seriously? Yeah. I wish I had it. I, I, I think I put it back in the back issue section, oh, but I'll have my. to show it to you when we're done. Um <laughs> Because there's no mention of Tobey Maguire or...
2: What's the font look like? Like, is it... how How is that? An so, every time you see something like that, it's... Yeah, find it. Every time you see something like that, it's, you know, at least the topography of what the poster's eventually going to be. Um, it'll give, like, some sort of cursory detail. Like, Literally none of
1: that I need to see is all this. part of this ad. I am opening it up. I'm taking it out of the bag. I take issues. a picture
2: so you could, like, put it on Twitter. Put it
1: on Twitter. I will put it on the Twitter i um, flipping, I'm flipping, I'm flipping. This is wonderful listening. Here we go. It's a page of the Daily Bugle. It's Spider-Man, a drawing of Spider-Man. Holy shit. Holding a copy of the Daily Bugle, and it says, Spider-Man movie web untangled. And there's a word bubble that's of Spider-Man thinking, hmm, I wonder who's going to play me in the movie. And it says, it's a fact, true believers. The Spider-Man movie is in full swing, and Marvel is back with a vengeance in time for the new millennium. Oh my God, let me see this. So I thought that was a bucket of fun. It tells you literally nothing. Oh, wait.
2: Actually, if you read the, the copy of the, if you read the text of the article. Sony Pictures Entertainment and Marvel Enterprises announced today that years of being bound in red tape, the first ever Spider-Man live action movie will finally be made. J. Jonah Jameson, publisher of the Daily Bugle, responded by stating that he plans to boycott the Spider-Man filmed <laughs> entertainment franchise and all parties involved in the deal. And it goes on. It tells is, you literally nothing. It other just tells than you the movie's movie gonna happen. someday this is one of those ads too that might have pissed me off back in the day where it's an ad that looks like a comic, yeah, so so there have been times when I've been reading like let's say I'm reading Justice League and you come across like a subway ad, yeah, but it's, but drawn, it's drawn like a comic like book. a comic book, so you're just like, well, this is a this is. Jarring. I never
1: have problems with that i am I have such an eye for art style that it, it rarely will I be confused by an ad. Uh, masquerading as a comic book
2: uh, it's but happened
1: that was uh, literally my favorite part of the whole book was that spider-man <laughs> ad um just because it, it was a rough it was a rough going me jumping in into issue seven of a 12 issue series so you need to it's find your turn to. oh no you roll it then i'll grab it There yeah, we go. because we don't all have right.
2: a third person um
1: all right we're back from a pause because i had to go find a 20-sided die here we go roll it noel
2: jesus
1: Five so A B,
2: B C D, D E.
1: All right, so I'm going to go into the back issues and get you something—a random comic from the E section. All right, I have gone into the E section of the back issues. I have pulled you a random comic book. Not and looking. It, it is. What is it? I'm going, to, I'm going to turn. Oh, do you want me? To, do you want me to look at it? Or do I'm you not looking. All right, I'm going to you tell me you me what it is, and I'll look. It is Excalibur, uh? number one oh. from Marvel Comics, uh-huh. by Claremont, Lapresti and Adams. The dream lives on. Oh my you God. lucky son of a bitch. You got a number one issue.
2: I did get it. This, that makes me lucky. That, I don't yeah. care at all about Excalibur. Me
1: neither. So Ugh. I'm excited to hear about
2: it. Also, Claremont. That means I'm not looking inside of it yet. But That means there's going to be a lot of fucking word bubbles. It's, it's wordy as balls. Yeah. Oh, you are going to open it. I'm opening it now. I'm Here opening it now. I'm going to look. It's like a Wonka bar. Cursor- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's an appropriate amount of word balloons. It's not so bad i hope this is oh and i'm sorry so far season one uh of samurai jack on dvd nice i like it all right yeah i'm down with this Uh, i um i'm in an x-men kind of life right now so that's nice so far there are four different spider-man 2 ads oh my god oh it's a skateboard one for a skateboard one for a magazine or two for a magazine one for a skateboard can't wait for the next one. Nice, it's gonna right. be fun.
1: So that's that's gonna be your back issue book report. That is the end of our show. Thank you so much for everyone who made it through this. It was a lot of fun for me because I was drunk. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Um, if you want to help out the show and buy us more drinks, uh, <laughs> you can go to Patreon slash Johnny Destructo or Coffee slash John com slash Johnny Destructo. That's K O dash F I com. You can give us a tip monetarily uh and help the show out that way because we could use it 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 would help a lot you could if you if you can't give to the show monetarily please go on to itunes or wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review us say something nice about us share us with a friend uh, and that would help us out too um honestly because i'm i've had a couple drinks i want to say thank you so much to everyone who listens it means a lot to me that you guys show up that you write in that you tweet at me angrily uh about things that you think uh I've done um <laughs> it's it's all wonderful I do love all of uh the attention. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how else to T- put it.
2: Taking and giving shit. It's just. It's a privilege.
1: Yeah, it really is. Oh. It's a lot of fun that we get to do this uh, and hang out with my friends and talk about comics and people actually respond. So it means the world
2: to me. Um, and we miss Brian too. All right? Yeah,
1: we're gonna. Brian wasn't able to join us this week because he was uh, out and about doing stuff. We were gonna try and do it tomorrow night so that he could be on the show, but. I run a book club from my store, and we're going to be talking about Amulet, Volume mm-hmm.
2: One, which is something I have, would not have read unless it was yeah. Kinda, yeah, it's an all it's a YA yeah, graphic novel series. Not uh, the if, you, if there's local bookstores around you that do book clubs, join them because you end up getting into things that you necessarily yeah. wouldn't pick up yourself.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. It's Kazu Kaboishi, I believe is his name. I'm sure I'm messing that up from memory, but uh, that's the creator and um, of. -hmm. artist and writer of of this book. Um that's it. I'm rambling. Love you guys. Thank you so much. And we'll join we'll talk at you later.
2: Bye. We'll join. I'm gonna join at you later. I'm gonna talk I'm gonna talk with you joins.
1: God damn it.
0: I'm not drowning There's no one here to save